Hello everyone, I'm Kay and this is Kay Talks Writing, where I take some of the lessons I've learned over my years of fiction writing and do my best to refine them into compressed rambles in the hopes that, by explaining my experiences and thoughts, I can help you become a little bit better at writing. As always, this is just my best attempt to communicate some part of the great mysterious abstractions of our illimitable art, and it will find every one of you a little bit differently. We are each the arbiter of our own learning, so I encourage you to listen for whatever is useful and apply it however suits you best. In this episode, I want to talk to you about reading. I'm sure you already do know how to read and you've probably even done it once or twice in your life. I know I have. In fact, I remember it well. It was a fine Saturday afternoon, a menu hung above the coffee bar, all those letters forming words, implying sounds that I could understand even without actually making those sounds. A phenomenal experience unlike anything else in this world. Of course, we've all done plenty of reading in our lifetimes. It's required to be a writer, not just as far as a teacher giving you homework or a best practice, but it's what makes a writer in the first place. At some point, we picked up enough words to get a taste for them and wanted to try our hand at the creation of those words in the first place, like a cook so inspired by a certain kind of cuisine that they decide to become a chef. Have you ever heard the saying, don't trust a skinny chef? comical malarkey, but there's the implication that a chef that doesn't eat a lot won't cook well, and there's truth to that part at least. The same goes for writers. If you don't read a lot, then you're not going to write very well either. Some of you are fine with that, but believe this, a lot of you were just implicated. There's a problem going around, and I'm not the only one who's noticed it, with writers who don't read. I understand why I've fallen into that trap myself. Every time I try to read, I end up inspired, and I put down the book to write instead. That inspiration is absolutely the point, though. You stumble across a new taste, find a new spice or turn of flavor in another person's writing, and suddenly you want to try it out. But I'm not here just to encourage you to read more in general. I want to encourage you to read more broadly, to read things that are a challenge, to read things that unsettle you a little bit. I was lucky enough that, for a semester during my graduate work, I was able to teach a bunch of undergrads in a class called Reading for Writers. I was also lucky that I didn't receive adequate oversight from the department while doing this, a mistake that resulted in my teaching the class in a completely incorrect way. See, the point of the class was supposed to be that I was introducing the undergrads to the mandatory canon of great authors and stories, you know, your Hemingway, Marquez, Salinger, Steinbeck, so that as they went forward in their education, they had a basic understanding of the stories usually referenced in academic discussions of critical writing. Now, there's been a lot of pushback against the idea of a mandatory canon, but that's beside the point. I don't know the canon very well myself, and I would have failed at teaching it. So, instead of teaching the class as it was intended, I assembled a syllabus full of the stories that I most wanted to teach, that is, the flavors of writing that I think work well, as well as strange and experimental texts that engage with what writing even is. These were things like an essay that lapsed into visual poetry halfway through, or a story written exclusively in sentence fragments, or spoken word poetry and slam poetry. The Library of Babel was on my reading list. My goal was to expose my students to a myriad of normal, straightforward stories, essays, and poems next to a bunch of things that drew into question what a normal piece of writing even is. 
To me, this was a bit like a cooking teacher forcing their students to taste a whole bunch of different kinds of food, whether they liked any of it or not, just so that they knew that certain spices and flavors even exist. You don't have to like it, you are just better for having tasted it. And that was the experience of most of my students. By and large, they mostly enjoyed the normal literature more than the experimental literature, but at the beginning of the class, all they could say to explain that was that the experimental works were weird and hard to read. Somewhere along the road, as they were decoding a backwards poem or trying to figure out why a story didn't have any sensible plot, they began to learn how to explain what they liked about the stuff they actually enjoyed. And more importantly, they learned how to explain and how to think about what they wanted their own stories to be. Which, I think, is much more important than just reading your way through some accepted canon. The same way a chef that's never eaten anything except American food can't invent a new kind of burrito, you don't get Tex-Mex without Mexican, a writer who only reads one kind of story will only be able to tell one kind of story. The more different kinds of stories you read, the more stories you can tell, and eventually, with a little effort and passion, you'll have tasted enough spices that you can invent something completely new. That's what artists, I think, should be seeking. Imitating the masters is fine, but inventing a new mastery is transcendent. I hope you don't think I'm saying that you should only read strange writing or things that give you a headache. There's definitely value in reading stories by masters of the thing you're trying to do, and definitely if you're writing in a genre, it's important to be well-read in that genre to know what's been done and what's being done around you. And nobody wants to sacrifice their chill free time reading to force themselves to read things they don't like just because some rambly voice on a podcast said it would make them a better writer. But if you do find some time every now and again, even sort of frequently, to break your patterns and test your tastes against new ideas, you'll be a lot better for it. Here's some of what I find value in. Yes, these are recommendations. Keep in mind that my writing skews toward the dark and the weird, so my recommendations probably will too. So just take this in the spirit it's intended, and maybe think about if you know any stories on the irregular side. Okay, so there is a book by Lydia Davis called Varieties of Disturbance that besides having one of the best titles for a story collection I've come across, has a lot of brilliant writing in it. These stories are largely experimental, and in my master's program we actually had a class where the fiction writers and poets argued if these even count as stories at all. These are experiments in what defines a story. There is, for instance, a story that's only one sentence long. I recommend you read something by Donald Barthelmey. Both the stories entitled The School and The Glass Mountain are pretty easy to find with a Google search. One of these spirals from the expected into the impossible so smoothly it's disorienting, and the other is written as a step-by-step -step guide. I find a lot of value in reading Barthelme's short story collections to keep my brain loose. His relationship with language is unique and constantly reinventing itself. Uh, Dennis Johnson's collection, Jesus' Son, is a novel in short stories about a recovering drug addict. The stories start with a tenuous relationship with what's real and become more grounded over time, which gives a careful reader an interesting look at what different degrees of normal writing look like. 
If you were to read only one story from the collection, Car Crash While Hitchhiking would be my recommendation. The story dynamically shifts between the hyper-realistic and the abnormal, and gives events out of order, which perfectly illustrates a compromised mind. A similar recommendation is Brian Evanson's A Collapse of Horses. This is literary horror straight up, but Evanson always engages with the difference between what is real and what his characters think is real, so it's always interesting. And my single greatest recommendation for this is House of Leaves by Mark Z. Danielewski, a book that is a story about someone decoding a story compiled by someone else making up a story about a filmmaker creating a film about a haunted house, all with commentary by fictional editors trying to make sense of it, and with appendices of letters and images that might or might not be fictional. The book employs editors' notes and text citations, found materials inserted seemingly randomly, as well as pages that are blacked out, upside down, out of place, strangely colored, or rotated. It's also an outright great story beneath all that and is probably my favorite book. If you're looking for a similar book that's a little less mind-bendy, there's Dahlgren by Samuel R. Delaney, which is easy to follow even if you're not sure exactly what's going on, and it employs a lot of experimental language and descriptions that engage with language without making you flip the book or solve word games. My list could be much longer, and it's always growing because I'm always reading more. I'm lucky enough that I think it's fun to read a story that puts my brain through the wash, but even so, I eventually find it tiring and go back to the adventure stories that I do, after all, often also prefer to write. Try to remember why you love this, the stories, the words, the excitement of a perfect turn of phrase that opens up a narrative moment like nothing else would, like no writer except you would ever think to do. Reading others and learning from them isn't about imitation, after all, but about giving your creative mind everything it needs to output something that will never otherwise exist, a piece of art unique in all the world, surprising to readers and hopefully surprising to you, too. On my way out, I'm Kay, and this has been Kay Talks Writing, where I do my best to plant some new thoughts in your mind, hoping they'll bloom into some new artistic impulse that I can't even imagine. The background music is by Safk, that's spelled S-A-V-F-K, who you can find on youtube.com slash safkmusic. There's no product placement for me to segue into here, so for now, think a little bit about what you're reading and if there's something a step or two outside your normal that you might be able to give a bit of an eye to. You might just find a little extra inspiration waiting for you there. Wherever you're listening to this, please click whatever thumbs up or positive arrow thing the site uses to tell its algorithm that you liked it, and maybe follow or subscribe or something while you're at it. That way, if you found this rambling interesting or helpful in any way, you can be here for the next one. Bye for now. Thank you.